heights to the depths of the sea. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, Samuel speaks to Saul after his disobedience with the event concerning Amalek. God told him to, to wipe out Amalek and everything, and uh, Saul did not do it. And, and I believe it's at this scripture, if you open your Bibles to, um, you don't have to, I mean, just keep your finger in chapter 31, but go to chapter 15 and go to verse 23 and, and put a star by that. Put a star by 1 Samuel 15, verse 23, because I believe this is when Saul crossed the Rubicon. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Pastor Rob begins a four-part series in the last chapter in the book of 1 Samuel. Today he gives us a review of how Saul's continuous disobedience of the Lord drew him farther and farther away from God until finally we learn in prior teachings that God did not answer Saul at all. God will be patient with us for only so long and then he will turn us over to our sin. God says to all of us in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verse 33, You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may be well with you. Unfortunately, King Saul chose differently. Obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Now let's join Pastor Rob. All right, let's open our Bibles to the 31st chapter of 1 Samuel. We're going to finish 1 Samuel this evening. It's been a wonderful journey, and I'm looking forward to next week when we get into 2 Samuel because this whole issue with Saul will be over and new problems will arise. Just when you think you're clear out of the woods, right? But it's just so exciting. I love this part of the Bible, so rich in history, and there's so many things in it as you, as you read it. I would encourage you to read... You know, as, you, as we read through, and hopefully you've been doing this through 1 Samuel and as we get into 2 Samuel and Kings and Chronicles, you know, put yourself um, in, in the sandals of, of these people. These are real people. These aren't just characters in a book. These are real people. And they're no different than you and I are. They have the same feelings. I mean, as we have been going through and just watching David running from Saul and just the crazy inconsistencies in his life, you know, knowing that David, at one point, when he was just a young teenage boy, facing off with this very seasoned and experienced warrior like Goliath, and then to see him in the latter part here, you know, as we looked at the last couple of weeks, just seeing David just floundering so badly. And, and it's so easy for us, as we read it, to kind of get up, you know, it's easy to be an armchair quarterback when we read these things and think to ourselves, well, that wouldn't be me. But here's the problem with that thought is that we don't always know what we're going to do until the moment occurs. We don't always know what we're really made of until we are placed in it. And usually it's unexpected when we are in a place, in a situation, in a circumstance that we never planned. And that is always the best 
gauge, really, I think, of our character. If I know a storm is coming, if I know a hurricane is coming, I make preparations. You know, I put the plywood on the windows, right? And I, I, I make sure I get plenty of water and batteries for the, all the stuff. And, you know, I do all these things, fill up the bathtub with water. You do those things in Florida. Up here, we're like, what are you talking about? It's because you haven't been initiated, okay? <laughs> That's what uh, Margo and Chris have waiting for them, but hopefully not too much. But it's just part and parcel. But anyway, so we don't always know what things are coming our way. Had we known them, we would have prepared for them. But oftentimes, the, the, the time that we are really tried is when, we, when it's thrust upon us. And then we find out really what we're made of. And I, I, that's so true in all of our lives, isn't it? I can talk a big game. I can say, well, I would never do that. Or I would respond by doing this. And I can say all the right things. And God's going, oh, Rob, you sound so good. Wish it were true. <laughs> you know. And then he proves it to me by allowing me to go through something that I wasn't prepared for. That blindsides me. Have you been blindsided by something? It could be a death in the family. It could be two people in your family dying in one week. And there have been people in our fellowship that has happened to. And how do you minister to someone like that? You know, they lose their husband and a child the same week. Or, or the same few months. You know, it's, it, it's just it's horrible to consider. And such was the, the case with David. But I, I love the fact that we can, we can read through this and hopefully we can all learn from it. Learn from David's life and learn from Saul's life too as we're looking tonight. Tonight's message I, I titled, The Wages of Sin is Death. So it's going to be a really uplifting, seeker-friendly kind of message. <laughs> By the title, you know it's going to be pretty dark. <laughs> but not really dark because we're going to end on a, on a really wonderful note, I believe. And so, But the wages of sin is death. We, we look at this last chapter of Saul and it's not a, a good end for this man. He started off so well. God gave him, he equipped him with so much. And as you look in those first, you know, chapter 9 and chapter 10 and 11, you, you get the feeling that, hey, you know, Saul is actually off to a good start here. And God made sure that he had the same opportunities that others would have. In fact, he even did things in Saul's life that we don't read about in David's life. You know, and so he's doing that because Saul will never be able to stand. Nobody, none of us will be able to stand before God and say, I didn't have an opportunity. I didn't have a chance. And therefore, I didn't do X, Y, and Z. And God will say, oh no, you had the opportunity. You just chose to do your own selfish thing. You chose your own road instead of my road, which is best for you. Let me ask a question. If God has a road for you, a plan for your life, and he does, right? We all know that. He has a plan for our life. No matter how old we are, no matter where we're at in our walk, he has, he has a plan. And are you willing to submit to that plan? Are you willing to submit to the plan? You know, it's a, it's a good question to ask. The wages of sin is death. We know this verse very well. In Romans chapter 6, it says this, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. A wage, we looked at this last Sunday, a wage is something that is earned, isn't it? If it's something that's earned, then it's not a gift. It's not something given by grace. It's something that you earn. So uh, the, the wages of sin, that what I get for being disobedient, what I get for being rebellious and disobedient, what I get for that is death. 
That's what I get. Now, it may not be a physical death immediately, but it's certainly a death spiritually because what I'm doing is as I continue in my sin and I don't get busted for it and I, and I don't get convicted over my sin, I continue in that sin. And what that's doing in my spiritual life is, is, is producing death in me. And sometimes, for some people, it will actually bring about an untimely physical death, which we will look at. But a wage is something that is earned. And the wage may lead to physical death. A sin unto death, we hear about that in 1 John chapter 5. We'll look at that. But the wage may also lead to eternal damnation, which I believe is the context of Romans six twenty three. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're talking about something eternal here. So it's not just a physical death and then I'm done. No, it's talking about an eternal damnation as well. I think if you look at that in context, it's really, that's what it's saying. But the gift of God, the gift of God is Jesus Christ. He gave us that gift in in his son, right? And so there is a sin leading to death. John tells us that in his first epistle. In chapter 5, verse 16, he says, If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. So are you really confused? When you look at that verse, I've read that a number of times, and I'm just like, I just scratch my head sometimes, but... There is a sin not leading to death. We know that all unrighteousness is sin. Sin ultimately leads to death. We just read the verse, right? We have to put it in context and frame it within what we do know in the Word of God. The wages of sin is death. So there's a sin that will lead to ultimate death. And there may be sins that, will, that are... Um, there is a sin leading to death. And that sin is, is something... Let me just give you an example. We know that lying is a sin, we can lie and lie and lie and lie, and we can live until we're 80 or 90 years old, and that's a sin, wouldn't you agree? It may not be a sin that leads to death. It ultimately will lead to death if not repented of, right? But there is a sin leading to death, and that is a sin where there are consequences immediate for the sins that we do. For instance, you may be a drug dealer, or maybe you're a drug addict. And I've known people like this. They claim to believe in God, but they have this issue, and it's a real issue in their life, and I don't want to minimize it. But they, they're, they're, they're continuing to take heroin, and, and they, they call upon the Lord. They know it's wrong. They, they're struggling with this addiction, and it's a real addiction. And God's got a hold of them, but for some reason, they just haven't given up on it. They haven't, you know, whatever. And then they get a hot shot, and they die. It's a sin leading to death. Or what about the man who is promiscuous or the woman who is promiscuous and is sleeping around and, and, and contracts some kind of disease that is lethal? Back in the 80s and 90s, AIDS used to be, would kill anybody. You know, it was just a matter of time. They didn't really know anything about it. That's a sin leading to death. And I believe as we look at the passage we're looking at tonight, Saul, I believe, had these sins Sins, plural, leading to death. You remember, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, Samuel speaks to Saul after his disobedience with the event concerning Amalek. God told him to to wipe out Amalek and everything, and uh, Saul did not do it. 
And, and I believe it's at this scripture, if you open your Bibles to, um, you don't have to, I mean, just keep your finger in chapter 31, but go to chapter 15 and go to verse 23 and, and put a star by that. Put a star by 1 Samuel 15, verse 23, because I believe this is when Saul crossed the Rubicon. When he crossed the Rubicon, the point of no return there came a point, and it was very quick with Saul, and God demanded obedience from those who are going to serve him. And I think there's something about that, too. He's a little more quick to hold his leaders on a tighter, they got a greater accountability. We know that from the Word of God that that is true. And he certainly did this with Saul. And so it says, um, Samuel said to Saul, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? As in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as, as a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. And that is the verse you want to put a star by, because this, at this point, he has crossed the Rubicon. And we're going to look at that uh, in context here. Um, we're going to look tonight, and unfortunately, rebellion and stubbornness are the hallmarks of Saul's life. Wish it was different. I know the Lord wishes that diff- uh, as well. But tonight, we're not going to look at ten highlights. Before we get into the chapter, it's a fairly, sh- fairly short chapter. But before we get into it, I want to look at ten lowlights of Saul's life. Not highlights, but lowlights. Opportunities in his life that were the low. He only had a few maybe highlights in his life, at least recorded in the scriptures. But there are far more many lowlights, things that he did that brought him to this place where we're going to read tonight. And the first one is in the eighth chapter. Turn with me to the eighth chapter of Samuel. And we're going to read through the first nine verses. You remember the first lowlight of Saul was the fact that he was chosen king. Now, that doesn't sound like a bad thing, but God didn't want the people. He gave them a choice to govern them himself, which he had been doing for quite a long time, and they were not without anything. Or, but the people wanted a king. They wanted a king like all the other nations around them. So, and, and if I were Saul and, and, and the Lord had chosen me, I'd say, you know what? I'm not up for the task. <laughs> I'm just going to back out of this, Lord. I want to be governed by you. I don't want to govern these people. Because uh, I know what I'm doing, what the, the, the desire of the people right now is not good. It was a sin that they desired this. And notice, it came to pass when Samuel was old and he made his sons judges over Israel. And it gives the name of his sons there. And they were judges in Beersheba. In verse 3, but his sons didn't walk in the ways of the Lord. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, perverted justice. And notice what happened in verse 4. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together, came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look. You are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king. Make us a king to judge us like all the nations. We want to be just like everybody else. Have you heard that before? Maybe when you're a teenager, you want to be just like everybody else. I want to be unique, but I want to be like everybody else. I want to be, I want to, I want me to be me, but I want to look like him. I want to dress like, I want to listen to the same music. You know, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? They wanted to be just like all the other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, Samuel, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. 
According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day with which they have forsaken me and they've served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly warn them, forewarn them, and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. Now we're not going to read this entire chapter, but in verses 10 through 18, Samuel rehearses before them how kings are and the things that they're going to do. And then finally, down in verse 18, God says, And you will cry out in that day because of your king, that whom you have chosen, whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but we will have a king over us. Can you see the, the can you just hear the rebellion? It's like, do you know what, what's going to happen? That your king is going to make your sons run before his chariots. He's going to make your daughters be cooks and work in the vineyards. You're not going to see him that much. They're going to put them to work. No, but we want a king. We want a king. And they're just pounding their fists. We, we want what? Just give us what we want. Get out of our way. Boy, stubbornness in the human heart. And I know it because I have it as well. <laughs> we can be so stubborn. We want what we want. Be careful what you ask for because you might just get it and regret it. Right. So they said, no, but we will have a king over us that, he may, that we may be like all the nations. We want to be just like everybody else. And that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So this is the first low light of Saul's um, career, is the fact that he was chosen. <laughs> and he was willing to go through with it. I think I would have just, you know, especially under, those, uh, under that pretense. I wouldn't have wanted to be Saul. I think I would have just said, no, thank you. But turn with me now to 1 Samuel chapter 10. Look at chapter 10. We're going to thumb right through very quickly these chapters, and we're we're looking at 10 specific lowlights, not highlights, of Saul's career. In 1 Samuel 10, verse 8, notice uh, this was the command that Samuel gave to Saul. Immediately after he anointed him king, what did he tell him? You might want to put an asterisk by this verse as well, because this is important. He says, you shall go down before me, Samuel said to Samuel, or uh, Samuel said to Saul, you shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you shall do. Now, Saul was a Benjamite. And Samuel was a Levite. Who do you think was supposed to do the offerings? The Levite, Samuel. That's what he grew up. He was under the the tutelage of Eli. That was his job. That was his role in this whole thing. Right? Now go to uh, chapter 13. And again, this is the second low light of Saul. Chapter 13, verse 7, it says, And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. And as for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. And then he waited, notice, then Saul waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Bring me a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Is there a problem? He wasn't supposed to do it. Now, was Samuel on time? I am sure the seventh day didn't pass. I'm sure that it was just late on the seventh day. And I think sometimes the Lord 
allows us to be tested. When, we, when he says, I'm going to do something by a certain time, and, and if it doesn't come by that time, then we take matters in our own hands. But, you know, sometimes the clock is like 11.59, and then he comes through. <laughs> Have you ever experienced that in your own life, where you're, you've, you're waiting on the Lord and like, Lord, I've got to pay this rent. I, you know, uh, if, I don't get the, if I don't walk the check up to the landlord and, and like at midnight, you know, I'm going to get a surcharge, and, it's gonna be, and, and the Lord at 11.30, you know, you open your, you hear a knock on the door, and somebody scuttles away, and you open the door, and there's an envelope with cash on it, and you're like, oh, it's 11.30. You had, you had 30 minutes before your head was rolling. You know, so sometimes these things happen. But Samuel, or, or, or Saul, excuse me, did not wait. And now it happened, as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came. Notice, at the 11th hour, at the 11th hour and 59 minutes, and Saul went out to meet him, and that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and, and, I, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled. I felt compelled. There you go. Feelings, feelings. Nothing more than feelings. Feelings can be dangerous. I felt compelled. I felt, oh, I just felt it in my heart. i just kind of trying to come into touch with my feelings. <laughs> I felt compelled, and I offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You've not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he had commanded you. For now the Lord would have established you. Your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you did not keep what the Lord commanded you. So there's Saul's second low light. He wasn't obedient. He was supposed to wait. He didn't wait. What about the third one? Turn with me to chapter 14. We're just going to go right in order here. Look at chapter 14, beginning in verse 24. It was at this time that Saul proclaimed a forced fast on his men until they had victory over the Philistines. Jonathan had started this. He attacked the Philistines, and it, it really started something really wonderful. Um, but, but then, um, you know, they had great victory, but Saul made this rash oath, a very rash oath. When you're, when you're fighting in a battle and you've got a bunch of men on the battlefield in the heat of the day, what's the worst thing you could do? Deny them of food and water. At least food. It takes energy, doesn't it? And so Saul, feigning to be spiritual, goes, nobody eat anything until we vanquish the enemy. It sounded so good. It sounded so spiritual, but it was deadly wrong. And in fact, it almost got his own son killed because his son didn't know about the fast. And he dipped his rod in, in, the, in, a, in honeycomb and ate it. And Saul found out about it and was about ready to kill his own son. And his son didn't even hear about it. So we see this rash oath that Saul did. And then the fourth low light, low light that Saul did was when, and this was the Rubicon right here. Look at chapter 15. We just looked at this a few minutes ago. This event with Amalek was the last straw for Saul. Notice in the first three verses, Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. And here it is. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt, 
And here's the command, a very clear, direct command from God. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.